0: Okay. You ready? Alright. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and start with the prayer, and then uh, we will dive into our uh, class this morning. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much uh, to be in Palm Springs, to be in a hotel that as a kid I would have never dreamed of having a chance to be in. And it's just so cool to feel ritzy for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, we're just grateful right now that we can uh, focus on an amazing miracle that we have in our lives which is the thing in our skull right now. This brain of ours, God, that you designed, that you created, uh, God, so that it can come back to you and serve you. I pray that today's class will encourage, uh, give all of us hope and uh, and perspective so that we can truly have the type of change, God, that you desire for every single one of us and for our children and for many generations to come. Uh, Again, bless Cece and I. Uh, We pray for your spirit to work in us, uh, to uh, give us the right thoughts, the right ideas, and again, we just thank you for the honor of uh, being able to speak to the church. In your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, guys, welcome. Everyone, I hope, has already received a free gift by coming to this class. You might have found it on your chairs. So what I'd like you to do is take about 30 seconds and just jot down uh, something in your life right now that you are wanting godly change in. could be anything, an attitude a relationship what is it what is something you like right now that you're really wanting to pursue a godly change okay so take a few seconds and write that down and while you're jotting that down let me introduce myself uh, my name is David Bruce and this is my awesome wife Cece Bruce and uh, I am a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist I work in private practice, and I also work as an addiction medicine counselor, uh, working with adolescents and families coming out of substance abuse issues. Uh, I love what I do. I love what I do. And uh, the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today, guys, has been something that has enriched my life over the last probably year and a half, not just professionally, but has enriched my life spiritually. It's enriched my marriage, it's enriched my parenting, really does. It has enriched almost every aspect of my life, some of the things, ideas that I want to share with you today. So I really hope uh, that you will get the same benefit I got uh, when figuring some of these things out, about how God has really made our brains in a remarkable way. So with no further ado, uh, I'm going to let Cece start with the first point.
1: Good morning. We're talking about learning as our first point today. We are learners. A disciple equals a student. Jesus is the teacher and we learn from God. We love to learn when it has value to us. When we learn something that we can apply to our lives, we get encouraged. We love to learn those things. Now this class is not about the type of knowledge that just puffs up. We are not here to promote just intellectual learning by itself. We know that in 1 Corinthians 8.1, Paul talks about the knowledge that puffs up, the love that builds up. Now, Jesus is the teacher and he taught in parables. He wanted us to understand spiritual concepts. And by teaching it through parables, we can connect things that of this world that we understand with things that he understands from the spiritual world. And we see it in how he takes common things that we know and apply a spiritual lesson to it. If it's the soil, if it's the father, if it's the kingdom, if it's the banquet... We see it all through the Bible. So the goal here today is to enrich our relationship to God. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to learn how to have Godly change, how to have a richer relationship with God.
0: Okay. So before we, uh, to understand the learning, I think I want to start with just giving you some really interesting info about your brain. You actually have more neurons in your brain then there are stars in the universe. So everyone fathom right now how many stars there are in the universe. Everybody figure that one out? Of course you didn't, okay? So, but what's really remarkable is the brain weighs about three pounds. On average it's about two percent of your body's weight. It consumes a little around twenty four percent of all the energy that you take in every day. So everything that you eat, about a fourth of it, is going straight to those three pounds in your head. To help it work, okay? And roughly the amount of neurons is about one hundred billion. One hundred billion. So everyone take their hands right now. And just place it right here on your head. And let's just say, God, thank you. You are amazing. Wow, okay? So, alright, put your hands down. Okay, you were just holding a miracle, okay? So, now let me ask you another question. Of those 10, I'm sorry, 100 billion neurons, how many of those does God want us to love Him with? Okay. I'm glad everyone's sitting down. So, when, when Jesus said, you need to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, I really am starting to take that a lot more literally. I don't think it's just wonderful poetics. Wow, Jesus, that sounds like a lot. And that sounds really pretty. I'm starting to understand that there are actually things we can do, ways that we learn, ways that we live, that can actually help us utilize more and more and more of this mind to serve God and to worship Him. So, where did we clicker? Speaking of brain problems... Uh, I'm just going to click. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so many neurons, not so much energy. So, obviously, it's hard to work or manage 10 billion neurons. None of us us have probably ever done that, okay? So, with 10 billion, 100 billion neurons, uh, God has designed the brain in a remarkably efficient way. So, our brain only has so much energy going on at one time. So, therefore, that energy is distributed according to our attention or our intention. Okay? It's similar to the computer. Your computer has a lot of information in it, right? But are all those files always on? No. No. Some of them are stored in a little memory section. Now some of you are more computer literate than me, so please forgive me. But you know there's parts that, a lot of information that's in sleep mode until, oh, I want to read that article about such and such. And then we click it and we open it up and now it's live, right? It, the computer sends energy to that file, engages it, and now we can read your Word document or whatever you've got going on. Okay? The brain works in a very, very similar way. So, let's do an experiment. Okay, Everybody close your eyes. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. Golden Gate Bridge. Okay, open your eyes. What just happened? No way. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? What did you guys see? A few examples. Patricia. I saw the escape of the bridge and the peak. I just that through the fog. Okay. Oh, she had fog in hers. Okay. Any others? Fog in your steel. Okay, so we got similar neurons going on here. Okay, yes? The color of the bridge, okay? Oh, my God,
1: my do travel in
0: quality. Oh, look, you got a personal neuron. Okay, nice. <laughs> I have a
1: talk at the television show,
0: step-by-step, I don't know if it's there or not, but I remember that being a Okay, see, you get this, guys? Okay, so now here, here's what just happened. So none of you woke up today with that neuron really lit up, okay? I say three words, okay? Three words, and suddenly... I. Forgive me, but I just manipulated your brain energy a little bit, right? And, <laughs> we'll talk after the class, Steve. <laughs> Alright, there's my exit, by the way. Okay. So the point is, guys, I say three words and immediately <coughs> different, certain neurons were lit up in your brain. Okay? Energy was sent to that neuron that was been asleep for maybe hours, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe it's been a long time since we've thought about Golden Gate Bridge. But you just did. So, where we send our focus, where we put our attention, that is where our energy is going to go. And there's my little example, okay. See, somebody probably had daytime, some others had nighttime, I've got a really crazy story about my motorcycle on this bridge, but that's for another class, but anyway, very interesting. So now, let's look at this, now... Hopefully, guys, I'm going to enrich your understanding of some very amazing scriptures that we've read and appreciated possibly for years. I hope that today's class will take it to a whole new level. We all know this concept. Take captive every thought. Well, let's start taking captive every neuron. Okay. Now, let me explain something. This is really interesting. So, if you notice, let's just say all these little red dots are neurons. Okay. Now, this guy is doing really well because what he's decided to do is he has decided to send more energy, more consistently, more regularly, on thoughts that happen to be faithful. It could be anything. It could be thoughts of a lesson you heard on faithfulness. It could be a brother in your group who tends to be really faithful. It could be, uh, you know, a, a friend that's really faithful to you. You can have all types of neurons, all types of thoughts that are kind of clustered together in this what we call neural network of faithful. Okay? Now here's the trick, and this is what's really encouraging about how God's designed the brain: is that as I send more energy to my faithful thoughts, guess what happens to my faithless thoughts? They starve. They starve. Okay. Now this is a really fascinating thing to understand because, like, for years I've worked a lot with like purity issues. Right? That's, that was my big sin coming into the kingdom. It's one that almost knocked me out. Uh, but I really started getting, getting over that, understanding how to help myself weaken that problem. But the, part of, the way that I weakened it was I had to learn how to strengthen other neural networks in my head. And it's so ironic because I have people come to me in counseling and, counsel and whatnot, I want to stop having impure thoughts. I just want to stop having impure thoughts. Well, that very thought has just charged the very neuron that you want to starve. So, we've got to focus not on just what we shouldn't do. We should really focus on all the thousands of possibilities of what God wants us to focus on and wants us to be filled with. What a way God's designed the brain. So, um, going next to renewing. Am I listening? Oh, yeah. So, next we're going to talk about the renewing of the brain. And I'm going to read a scripture here, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, guys, if we read that verse too quickly, it sounds like a nice idea, it sounds pretty and cute, but... This is a reality. This verse is a neurological reality. And Paul was about 2,000 years ahead of his time because we now know that the brain is a renewing organ in your head. Just an example. Brain and skin are constant miracle makers. Has anyone ever scratched themselves or cut themselves? Of course, right? And when that happens, immediately, within seconds, a miracle is already starting to happen. This body sends new skin cells to that area of the brain, and over time, what happens? The skin heals, right? Well, because it creates new skin cells. And after a while, it, now, if you don't get in the way, if I keep picking up my stab, what happens? I just keep delaying the miracle, right? Miracle. But if I'm patient... If I, yeah, more miracle, Oh, there, oh, that's another lesson, but anyway. So, if I get out of the way, the miracle can do its job, right? And this is something, guys, that we've only figured out about 15 to 20 years ago. Where we've actually now confirmed that the brain is a regenerative organ. That when there is damage done, whether it's substance abuse, abuse whether it's a sinful behavior, a sinful activity, or even simple thinking, whatever we do that can cause harm to the brain, when we repent, when we change we can literally renew and restructure our brain. Now, if we look here at these two brain scans, these are brain scans that identify areas of the brain that are underactive, overactive, or no longer active. Okay? What's very interesting is that now we've been able to see brain scans, let's say, of of, of addicts who come in, allow their brains to be scanned, and then they go right into recovery. Now, let me explain really quick what recovery is. Recovery is not just stopping the drugs. That's called sobriety. Recovery is, I stop using, but I start learning new ways of living, new ways of thinking, new ways of communicating, thinking maybe spiritually. I mean, there's all these things that go in to a recovery. And what they've been able to do is they've actually been able to do brain scans of a person like that after three to four months of making all those radical changes. And they start realizing that the brain starts looking like the brain on the right. All the gaps, all the holes actually start... We felt. Again, Paul was not joking. We can literally renew our brains. So this process that I'm talking about is called neurogenesis. Okay? So I already scared you a little bit, right, with telling you that you have one hundred billion neurons in your head? Well, guess what? <laughs> if you lose a few or some of them are gone, I mean who knows what's happened. This whole process that science, by the way, is called neurogenesis. Can you believe that? They stole our word. Okay, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, science is stumbling onto a miracle that they can't explain. Out of nowhere, new neurons are created in our head. And the, the processes that help that happen are when we are learning new things, when we're doing physical exercise. Uh, When we're taking good, slow, deep breaths every once in a while, which I'm trying to get more and more practice of, I don't just do many prayers, I do many breaths with God. Just slowly, just stopping for a minute. And I just get a little bit more fuel, a little more oxygen to my brain, which helps my brain work better so that I can then use more of it to love God and to live the way that God wants me to live. When you're really, really mad, and if you can remember to take a slow deep breath, what do you think happens to your anger? It subsides. It, subsides. it should. If it doesn't, talk to me after the class. Okay. So you're, not alone, bro. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're already after me, brother. But anyway, so here's a couple of extra benefits. Not only do we get these new neurons that come out of nowhere, but God lets this happen with a bonus, with a kick. Every new neuron, this is actually how they stumbled onto new neurons, is that when they basically arrive in your brain somehow, they do two things. They come with a little spark of energy. Has anyone in their lives ever had an aha moment? Yes. Hopefully you've had one in this class. Maybe. Class isn't over yet, okay? But when we have an aha moment, doesn't that feel horrible? When you finally figure something out, don't you feel a little depressed, a little flat? No. You feel a little uppity, right? Well, guess what? You can say, thank you, God. That's that little jolt of energy that's connected to those new neurons that you just somehow created in my head. Okay, so guys, that's the other thing. This miracle in our head is not just this done thing that happened a few years ago. It's constantly doing the miracle. Okay, it's constantly doing it. The other benefit is that a lot of these new cells, a majority of them happen in the hippocampus area of your brain, which is connected to memory recall. Story. That's the part of the brain that we need a lot to understand our own story, where we're at in life, where we're going, where we've been, where we want to go. That is the part of the brain that gets actually stronger and healthier, which is good.
1: And it's easy. Renewal of the brain is also expanding the different parts of your brain that you're using when you do different activities or when you visualize things, you see things, you study things, it actually renews your mind. So what we have done in the family over this last year in trying to implement these thoughts of how to build healthy networks in my brain is we have changed our prayer life. We have enriched our prayer life. and. By In the past, my prayer life was limited to the part of my brain that's the language center because I said my prayers. Lately, what we do is we visualize prayers. We take a picture, say one word, like the Golden Gate Bridge we just did, and all of a sudden, your thoughts go there. Well, if you take a person in your Bible talk and you visualize that person, and you start dreaming about the hopes and dreams you have for your brother or your sister. Then that prayer, it's using more parts of your brain and you're connecting more things. And you pray in a different way when you can see it, when you can have faith to add faith to a situation. We have also done different things with our children, to have family times in different locations. To create a memory that is different, so that they will remember this scripture because we were reading it in the bathroom, altogether. together. And we know they're going to remember that one, because it was different. It, it is very similar to going to the gym. By exercising thoughts that are spiritual, it's like going to the gym. You don't become... Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day, by going to the gym one time, you obviously have to exercise your brain. Same things here, by making connection between neurons they get strengthened and by association I can add, I can saturate my thoughts with God's word, with a spiritual attitude so that I can love God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, as it does say Amen. in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven.
0: Amen. There's a very catchy phrase in the neuroscience field that basically says, neurons that fire together, wire together. <laughs> which is kind of cool. So that's what exactly what Cece was explaining. When we make more associations, which again, I think illustrates how brilliant Jesus was. He used neurons that were already in the brains of his audience. Yeah, we know about farming. Yeah, we've heard about Samaritans. I saw one once. But he used already established neurons, and then he attaches spiritual neurons to very common things so they could stick and we could relate to them. So Jesus was an amazing neuroscientist. So thinking, imagining... This is a faith exercise. You know, we we read this in Hebrews, right? Be certain of what you do not see yet. Try seeing things now. (coughs) Visualize now the blessings or let's say the godly change that you're thinking about. I think, guys, you know, athletes have figured this out decades ago, right? When they visualize first exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it, it's proven they do it better because those neurons are already warmed up and now we just add the effort to it and we are going to win, baby. On, that's how it works. Yeah. Okay? So imagine a prayer that uses more of our mind. Now these are some really cool brain scans. What they've actually been able to do, on the left is a brain that's just sort of static. He's just sitting there. Then they ask the person to do like a brief uh, meditation exercise, like taking some slow deep breaths. Uh, visualizing just maybe one thought or idea at a time and really focusing on it. And what they see, if I had my clicker, I'd point at it, that this area right here, the pre-frontal cortex, prefrontal cortex, which is right behind your forehead, which is in charge of abstract thought, spiritual thinking, decision making, judgment, impulse control, all those goodies, right? That makes a disciple's life really work well. <laughs> that part of the brain actually sees more activity level when that brain is slowing down, taking some breaths, and just reflecting, focusing, imagining something that they want in their lives. Guys, this is difficult practice, by the way. Okay, It's not easy to do. When I was first trying this a year and a half ago, I could last maybe 60 seconds. <laughs> and I just want to go back to my old habit. Just, okay, let's just talk about it. But I'm telling you, the more you practice it, just like CeCe was saying about the gym, the more you practice, exercise different areas of your brain, guess what? It gets stronger. It gets easier. And and there's amazing benefits. Monkey see, monkey do. This is an amazing, funny story uh, about how they uh, discovered this idea called mirror neurons. Okay, basically what they were doing is they had these poor monkeys hooked up to some brain devices to identify what activities they did lit up which parts of the brain. So they wanted to find out, you know, is it the back of the brain that lights up when they're trying to communicate? Uh, Is it the front part of the brain that lights up when they pick up things? I mean, all this kind of crazy stuff. Well, one day, by accident, they had the poor champ hooked up. They'd forgotten to turn off the brain scan. And the lab technician walked in and, I don't know if it was a banana, but let's just say it was a banana. Okay, he picked up a banana. And kept walking. And the other lab technician said, Oh my goodness, get in here! What's going on? I just picked up a banana. He goes, no, 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 hold on, hold on. They rewound the tape, and they looked at what happened to this monkey's brain when the lab technician picked up the banana. And they said, doesn't that look familiar? So they rewound, and they compared the tapes, and they realized that the exact same parts of his brain, when the monkey picked up the banana were lighting up when he was watching the lab technician pick up the banana now that is a very exciting and very terrifying thing to understand about our brains okay and what it means is guys everything we see everything we witness we are recreating in our brains yeah ay yi or, hey, that's good, let's start looking at some good stuff. Okay, so the point is, guys, whatever when we see something, we recreate that in our head. And now they've taken this on to humans, and they've realized that, you know, when a human being even just looks at a face of someone frowning, without any decision, that brain creates negative neurotransmitters that makes you feel fear or sad or whatever. In other words, whatever we see, we are taking in, guys, and we're reacting to it. Wow. Whether we realize it or not. Okay. Oh, this is an amazing chart. Now, I apologize, but this little chart would be a really cool thing to try to write down in your notes. Okay, let me explain it a little bit. This is uh, this concept was developed by a man by the name of Mikhail Chitsunihai, I don't quite have the neurons yet to pronounce that, but he is a really cool guy. And basically, for decades now, he has basically really studied two things in the field of psychology. He studied happiness and creativity. Two pretty cool subjects I think. I've love to study that for a while, but anyway. But this diagram is amazing. Seeking godly change requires challenge. Okay, Now, Let me explain how this works. I'm going to step away from the mic again. So we have two axes, right? We have skills, and then we have challenges, right? And what he identified is he studied for decades successful people, both living and historical. And by doing these interviews, I mean, I don't know how many years he was doing this, but he basically started catching these phenomena. Have we heard of flow before? Or being in the zone? Or being in your elements, right? When things are like just, oh, cool, right? I don't know. We've all had these experiences, but we all have different things that we're good at, for example, right? And what he noticed was that when you work in your skill level and you have the proper amount of challenge, right? You are in your flow. But if your skill level is about here, but you're taking on challenges up here, you're going to be over-anxious, overwhelmed, and then what are you going to do? You quit! Right? Okay. And the same thing can happen. If I've got a lot of skills, but I'm challenging myself up here, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. And why am I doing this anyway? So his notion was, whatever we've decided to do in life, if we don't continue getting better at it in our flow, we will eventually... Now, guys, this can be applied in so many areas of your life. I'm just going to mention a couple. Let's look at discipling. This is where discipling requires intimacy. If I'm trying to disciple a guy and yet I have no idea what his strengths are or what his talents are, and yet I'm going to throw some doozy challenges his way because I think those are the challenges that he really needs, well, I might be harming this guy. Because I'm setting up these expectations and he's, I don't know, six months in the Lord, or maybe he just never got something, and I'm going to be challenging him and now I'm going to be adding Get this. In love. I'm going to be adding anxiety to his life. Ah. Thank you, brother. Okay. Okay, Let me give a cold example, all right? Just a second. All right. Another example is my family group. And I apologize for any one of my family groups in the in the room. Sorry, Robin. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Connie. Okay? But here's another idea. We have a room. Every Friday night we get together. We have Bible talks every Friday night. We have family time, meals, and then we have a discussion. It's great. We love it. But, we've been, a lot of us have been around for a while. Most of us have been in the mission field somehow, somewhere, whatever. Uh, some of us are young Christians. Very optimistic and faithful and lovely. We need them. But, there's a whole lot of skills in the room. But... <coughs> If we don't challenge ourselves as a ministry, as a family group, guess what? We're going to be really bored. And I don't think that is the Christianity that God designed. I don't think Jesus came down here to present a boring ministry or a boring purpose. He wants us to live in flow. And can I throw out one other bonus? When he's interviewed these people and asked them to kind of describe, what's it like when you're in your flow? It's really interesting. But one of the concepts that many described was, it's a sense of detaching from my ego. It's almost like I'm not even connected to me. I'm in this other state.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you know what that's called, guys? Biblically? Living in the denial of self. This is heavy. This is deep. Because for years, you know, before I became a disciple, I thought, you know, denial of self, you know, let go of all those sins and whatnot. I thought that was like living here. Okay, life's going to be boring. I just can't do all these things. No, real denial of self, guys, is living in your flow. Where you're using your talents, and you've got the right level of challenges, and you're going. You're growing. Isn't this... Being the light of the world? If I'm living in my flow, guys, I don't need to evangelize. People are going to be seeing me, hearing me. What's up with you? And I can start talking about what I know, how God's designed my brain, and by the way, designed your brain too. You wanna to learn some more? You get where this is going, right? Guys, this is the light of the world. So now we're gonna talk about changing. Okay, number one, stop the we and start with me. Okay? Uh, I lead recovery groups several times a week, uh, and one of our group rules, so to speak, is you must talk, you must communicate. If you're going to say anything in our group or open your mouth, you must speak from an I, me, and my perspective. Okay? Because as soon as we start talking about we, I guarantee you we've checked out. Because now our brain is not occupied with me and what I need to do and what I need to understand and what I need to change. Now it's about belief. You know, people should just lie less. You know, people really have a hard time with being honest. I need to work on lying less. I find it difficult at times to tell the truth. Do you feel the difference? Okay?
1: Now I ignore
0: my Bible talk to no end with this sticky rule, okay? Because, honestly, we've had that problem. We've had, you know, brothers that I know and I love, but every time they open their mouth, they talk theory. And I just know when I talk and think theory, I know I'm not about to turn around and do something, you know, radical or active or engaged. So we need to stick with I, me, and mine. I guarantee you, better neurons will light up when you're talking about I, me, and mine, as opposed to the weak. As for me and my brain, I am going to follow the Lord. You get that? That was catchy, wasn't it? Okay, here we go. Are you next? Oh, no. Okay, effort is not the problem, but the solution. Okay? Uh, Now, remember the monkey thing, right? We talked about. So, that monkey can stare at people picking up bananas all day long. Does that mean the monkey is eating a banana? Now, I kind of tricked you, right? We said, oh, wait a minute, the same thing's lit up in the brain, right? Well, that's what we call passive learning, or passive participation. Okay? Just passively observing a great sermon, it's really inspiring and whatnot. You don't add any effort to that, you're left with inspiration for a few minutes, maybe a few hours, maybe a couple of days, but if it's not followed up by effort, it will fade with the wind. Those neural networks will never be established. They will never be exercised. And they will fade away. And how many neurons of old sermons do we have in this modern of ours? Too many. Okay? Too many. So, we obviously see the problem here, right? This guy, right? this poor guy, right? He's not getting any anywhere soon. Okay? This is not how we change our lives. We change our lives with effort, with challenge.
1: I give you my wife. The dangers of passive learning... When I understand that I can get a kick out of learning something while I watch TV, the TV phenomenon is very dangerous because I can get the kick out of learning, but I didn't do it, did I? It was somebody else who did it. So, this class we talk a lot about learning, But we don't want to fall in the pitfall of just being intellectually more involved. It's about putting it into practice. It's not about the knowledge that's going to puff you up. I can see myself that when I get to that point, it's easy to sit at church and have a lot of opinions about what's going on. And I can see that I have opinions because I think I know better, but my question to myself is what did I do about it? And so to avoid being the couch potato or the disciple spiritual couch potato, I need to get off my couch. So I was very convicted when preparing for this class, and we have talked about this a lot, I needed a journal to write all these thoughts down and in my cabinet I found this journal that is mine it even has a sticker on it that I made it's a thesis book of discipline <laughs> this journal I created in 2004 because the first two pages are full of insights and scriptures about self-control now for those who know me and are in my life and they hear me now, 2011, talk about, I need some more self-control. I need to change my time management. I need to change the way I am at work. I need to change not being so distracted. And finding this journal got me convicted. I started on this journal, in, on this journey, 2004, but I let go. It was only two pages filled out. And then I forgot about my journal. Even though I put a sticker on it and everything. I had named it. (laughs) So, saying that is, it is very easy to be on a spiritual high. To get that sugar rush of, yes, I'm going to change. This is what I'm going to embark on. I'm here in Palm Springs. Or I heard this great sermon. Or I see these people that are great. And we get inspired. But don't be fooled by inspiration. Inspiration is great, but it fades. It's a proof. It's, you know, the gas is gone. And and then, you know, you can wake up seven years later and say, I never finished that project I? so I repent. Thank you.
0: So my wife gets the Vulnerability Award for our class today. She, she won, hands down. Okay, here we go. Um. here we go nothing worthwhile in life is easy and I certainly think that's true about being a disciple being a disciple is very worthwhile but it's not easy and if you're doing an easy Christianity I doubt it's very worthwhile I had that for years before I became a disciple effort means you care about something that something is important to you and you are willing to work for it Okay? And this totally ties into James 1, 2 through 4, which is like my major favorite brain verse. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, difficulties, efforts of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not liking anything. I mean, this is... Really, great instructions again for the brain, right? If we now understand that trials or effort is associated now with those other neurons connected to growth and hope and change and possibilities, I'm going to be doing a lot better. I'm going to have a lot better attitude when I've got setbacks or when I get disappointments in my life. okay? Because godly change is going to require effort. Counsel, advisors, and whatever... Okay? Plans for godly change fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. So, obviously, this is not just a practical suggestion, right? Hey, get some ideas, talk to people, and that's great. But now we understand, by doing that, we now know what we're doing neurologically to our brains. As I'm talking to more people and getting more perspective, and I'm talking to Joe here, who's five years ahead of me on this whole idea of patience, right? As I talk to him and I get ideas and I get suggestions, I'm just adding new neurons, fresh neurons, by the way, that are going to be added to this new neural network that I'm working on. That's my godly change. You see? Neurologically, guys, it's making sense what we're doing. Now, for the kicker. This is my favorite verse this year. Can we just read this one together? Is that alright? We're going to do a new neuron thing, okay? By not just reading or hearing. We're going to do it together, okay? Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is 2,000 years old, guys, and yet Paul is giving us instructions that could change our world and change the world if we do this right. And think about these instructions. They are pretty simple. Think. Think about these things. Okay? That is a spiritual discipline. And notice my little reference there to the neurons, right? Guys, if you've got something bad going on in your life, a little challenging, make sure you're going back to this verse and lighting up, sending some energy... To those neurons that are connected to things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are lovely. Okay? And guys, think about it. Whatever we do in our life, we can saturate our minds with spiritual perspective. With anything going on in our lives. Whether things are going great, whether things are challenging. We can apply these neurons to anything going on in our lives. A who, where, and when is your whatever. I really, really hope whatever godly change you wrote down in your index card, I want you to think about who are your role models. And I want us to... And again, I like Paul's generosity. Did you notice what he said? He said, whatever's in the Bible... But, no, he didn't say that, right? God, I believe God's truth is evident in so many things. When I look at nature... I'm sorry, that I'm not, I'm not reading my Bible in that moment, but I'm still, I'm inspired by God. When I see noble character every once in a while in people that I know or people that I don't, I can think about such things. And I can still praise God. Okay? God has worked through many non-Christians over hundreds of years, okay? And He might still be doing that, Maybe. But I just want us to really consider that we need role models in so many areas. We need role models in the Bible, clearly. Jesus is the ultimate one, right? He is the Lord of flow, so to speak. Uh, we have probably people in our own groups. We probably have a group of people in our own ministries that are probably excellent role models in some form or fashion for us. Books, articles. I mean, I have this weird, sick reputation now. I'm the brain guy. I have patients bringing me articles. I've got people forwarding me emails. Because they know this is my passion. Do people know your passion? Do people know what you're into, what you really like? Historical figures. I love reading biographies. I think there's amazing stories that have already happened that God illustrated. Contemporary heroes. (laughs) So guys, in recapping, we've talked about learning, right? Where we send our focus is where we send the energy in our brain, right? And the more energy we send to the right neurons, guess what? The stronger they get. The stronger they get. Renewing. We now know that if we do change our thoughts, that the brain can actually restore itself. That we can break old habits, or we can weaken old habits, right? Is the sinful nature ever going to die? Yes, when you die. But anyway, until then, (laughs) there is no cure for the sinful nature. Only solutions. There is no cure for this nature, only solutions. And boy, how many solutions there are if we're doing things this way that we've been talking about today. And changing, sticking with, not we, but I, sticking with effort, understanding healthy challenge, and staying in our flow. That is how we're going to change and achieve God's will. Hopefully, guys, uh, we've we've shed some light on this whole idea that Jesus mentioned real briefly in Matthew 22 that we need to love God with all of our brain, with all of our mind. And yes, there are so many neurons and so little time in the class. (laughs) But we are done for the day. Uh, I do want to let let you guys know that if this was interesting to you, I am going to be trying to arrange a workshop probably on a Saturday in the beginning of November. If you would be interested in attending that, uh, I have a sign-up sheet up here. You just write your name, email, and phone number. And I'll let you know once I get the details all worked out. But uh, anyway, and you can bring non-Christians to this, please. I think it would be a great, great opportunity. Um... Are we done? Is that yes. the time? Yes. Guys, thank you very, very much.